I am so glad that you are here. I know I say that like every weekend, but I am really, really glad that you are here in the room. Those of you from all around the globe who are joining us, I'm glad that you have been with us and you are going to be glad that you are here today. It's such a special day. And by the way, if those of you who are watching online within like a, say a 10, 15 mile radius, you just need to close the computer down right now. You need to turn the TV off and you need to get yourself down here because I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss today. Put some pants on and then get down here because this is the place to be. You know how sometimes you just circle a date on the calendar and you look forward to it, right? Well, February 23rd has been one of those dates for me. And I think by the end of the day, you're going to see why. We are wrapping up our series that we have called Follow Me. And, and here's what we've done. We, we've basically just gone back to the Gospels and said, we're going to take a look at the disciples and to see those who Jesus first called to follow him. What was it that they did? What did they do to become more like him? Because that's our goal as followers of Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. And so we've looked at those who followed him originally. And, and really what we've seen is we've seen that there were about four different groups of people that followed Jesus, or at least followed along with him. The first group was the I don't believe group. Yes, there were people who followed along behind Jesus, and they weren't quite there. They, they did not believe who he was. They didn't, they didn't quite understand just yet who Jesus was, but they continued to, to follow after. So I want you to know that if you are here today, and you're here because someone basically said, you're going to church whether you like it or not. And if you're here today and you think that all this Jesus stuff is just a bunch of nonsense and that there are all different ways to God, if, you, if that's where you are, you need to know that you are in good company. Because the truth is, every single person who became a believer in Jesus at some point was an unbeliever. That's the truth. And the truth is, that's where we all started. Amen? We've all been in that place of unbelief before we crossed to belief. That makes sense. That's one of the groups. I don't believe group. There's a second group. I want to believe. There were people who followed along with Jesus, and, and they, they wanted to believe, but they weren't quite ready to cross that line from unbelief to belief. They just had to, they, they just had to keep following for a while. Jesus had a, a particular follower. His name was Thomas. Thomas, it took him a while, really right up to the very end to convince him, wow, Jesus really is who he's been saying that he was all along. In fact, Thomas has garnered a bit of a nickname. Does anybody know what that is? How would you guys like to be remembered as doubting Thomas? But he kept following Jesus. And you know what? Jesus never kicked him out of the group, did he? He just let him keep following. And he did keep following. And Thomas was glad that he did. If you're in that group of, I, I want to believe, you just need, you just need to keep, keep following, just like Thomas did. And, and then there's a third group. The third group is, I believe. Okay, this is the group that is crossing from unbelief to belief, Okay. Crossing the line and saying, I believe. Well, I believe in what? This is the group that, well, we saw this in the life of Jesus and his disciples as well. Maybe you remember a time where Jesus grabbed, uh, he, he gathered his, his followers together and he asked them a question. He said, 
Who, who do you say that I am? And, and maybe you remember the answer. Some of them started talking about, well, some people think that you're, and some people think, and he goes, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And I don't know, maybe, maybe Thomas was, was over there to the side, maybe staring at the ground. Maybe he was shuffling his feet in the dirt. I don't know. But it was Peter. Peter was the one who stepped up and said, you are the Christ. You're the king. You're the king of kings. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are you, Simon. Son of Barjona. Why? Why are you blessed? Because man didn't reveal this to you. Man could not. There is no man who could reveal this to you. This was revealed to you, Peter, by your Father who is in heaven. So when a person comes to belief, it is something that is revealed to them by their Father in heaven. Belief that they are covered by the blood of Jesus. Belief that Jesus' finished work on the cross means that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They have placed their faith in Christ Jesus. And because they have placed their faith in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation. They've been released from the condemnation that their sin and their death brings about. Then there's a fourth group. Maybe some of you are part of this group. I still believe. And many of you have been following for a long time. And it's just important for us to come back together regularly and to look each other in the eye and lift our eyes to the heavens and say, I still believe. I, I'm still here. I still hope. I still believe. And, you know, I, I can't help but think as I've heard a lot of your stories as I think about the, the things that you have gone through, because those of you who have crossed into belief or you're in the I still believe group, you know we still have struggles, right? We still struggle. But just because we believe in Jesus doesn't mean that the struggle goes away. And I think about your stories. The cancer's come back. Lost everything in a, in a house fire. I mean, all these different things that take place. And I know some of you can't be here with us today, but you're watching online because you're not physically healthy enough to be with us. But you say, I still believe. I am here, God, and I'm not, you've not moved, I'm not moving. I still believe. That's the fourth group. Now, some of you may, maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you've been following along in this uh, sermon series. Maybe you've been here this year, the last few months or whatever. Maybe you picked up a book. Maybe, maybe something's just really kind of stirred in your spirit and you're, you're, you're just going, you know, I really thought this was kind of nonsense, but I'm like, I think I might be into this. Like, I, I think I'm, I mean, maybe, maybe you're, you're here today and, you know, maybe someone made you come or, or maybe, um, maybe you're here because there's a pretty girl that invited you and you're like, I would go anywhere with her, even church. But maybe you're thinking, I, I think I might. I, I don't understand everything, but I think I understand enough. I think I might actually believe that there is absolutely nothing that I can do with my problem of sin and death, and only Jesus can. I think I, I, think I believe that Jesus is not a way to God. I, 
I think I believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I think he is the way to being right with God. If that's where you are, God bless you. You have crossed a line into I believe. Now, as we look at the disciples, those who followed Jesus early on, uh, there were certain things that they did when they believed. We just, we see it in their life. We see that they repented of sin, okay? Repentance, it's just another way to say they, they turned away from their old life, okay? They, they, they just went a, went a different direction in their life towards Jesus, away from where they were headed towards Jesus. They, but they also confessed to each other their, publicly their faith and declared their faith before Men, But there is something that we see that all the believers, with, with the exception of the thief on the cross, there was something that they did. There was something these followers did after they believed as an immediate next step of obedience. And it was that they were baptized. They were all, they were baptized. Now maybe you have the same question. Why baptism? I mean, okay. Why were they so committed to baptism? And why are we here at Oak Hills Church so committed to the sacrament of baptism? Well, if you're filling in the blanks, here's the first one. But here's the first reason that I would say why we are so committed, why those earliest followers were so committed. It's because Jesus modeled it. Matthew chapter 3 which I know all of you read on the third of this month because you're all reading the Matthew challenge along with us. Come on, you knew I'd get that in there somewhere. Matthew chapter three, here's what happens. Jesus, he comes on the scene and he comes to John the Baptist, his cousin John the Baptist, out in the wilderness and, he, and he's baptizing people. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, he comes to John and he says, John, I want you to baptize me. And you know what John did? get this he tried to talk Jesus out of it he did he said Jesus you need to baptize me I don't need to be baptizing you it's the other way around and and Jesus said just hang with me here John Look, look at what he said Jesus answered let it be this way for now oh we should do all things that are God's will so John agreed to baptize Jesus Oh, yeah, he agreed. Jesus was telling him, this is God's will. This is what God's requirement is. This is the right thing to do. And Jesus and John agrees to baptize Jesus. Then look what happens. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and then heaven opened, and he saw God's Spirit coming down on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and I am very pleased with him. You get the picture. And Jesus says, John, this is the right thing to do. Jesus is baptized. Then God says, this is my son and this is pleasing to me. So we see here, Jesus modeled baptism, but that that wasn't the the only thing. Number, number two, Jesus also, he, he mandated it. Okay, Jesus mandated baptism. It, it, was, a, it was a commandment. I, I want us to go to Matthew 28. We were there last week. We're going back because these 
are Jesus' final words to his followers. And any time you get a chance to say your final words, you know these are going to be very important. And so this is what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them, came to his followers, his disciples, and he said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me, so go and make followers. Go and make disciples of all people in the world. And what does that say? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, but sometimes we call this passage right here the Great Commission. Maybe you've never heard that, but I can tell you this. We do not call it the Great Suggestion. It is not just a good idea for you to maybe consider. No, this is Jesus with his final words, and he's, he's saying, guys, this is what you are going to do. It's not up for consideration. And he says, baptize them, teach them. You go and you make followers. You make disciples. So we see that Jesus modeled it. He mandated it. Now, there are four different gospels, different people writing about the life and the teachings of Jesus. We just heard from Matthew, who followed very closely to Jesus. I want you to hear from Mark. In Mark, he records these words from Jesus. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world, sounds familiar, right? And tell the good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who does not believe will be punished. Other versions say anyone who does not believe will be condemned. These are, very, um, these are very clear and very sobering words from Jesus. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. As we continue to read through the Gospels, there was another Gospel writer, Luke. I want you to see what Luke says. Luke records these words. Jesus says, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. That's good news, but look what he says. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Some versions say denied before the Father in heaven. So we, we see as Jesus, he's, he's talking to his disciples, there are some things that are assumed Repentance, turning away from the old life that is assumed, confessing before men. These are very clear, very sobering words. These are the words directly recorded from the mouth and from the heart of Jesus himself. And Jesus assumes baptism, and we see it modeled. So Jesus modeled it, he mandated it, and then we see all of his followers doing it. So here's what I'd like to do. I, I would like for us to just take a moment and put something like baptism in its proper perspective. Because there are a couple teachings out there that really kind of fall on the extremes. Maybe some of these teachings you've even heard yourself. The, the first teaching on one of the extremes is that baptism saves you. Well, I mean, that can't be right. 
We do not believe that the actual waters of baptism save you. We only believe that the blood of the Lamb can save us. When we place our trust and our faith and our belief in Him, that is what saves us. So that can't be right. But then there is another teaching on the other extreme. The pendulum swings over here to this, that baptism is non-essential. It's negotiable. It doesn't really matter. But that can't be right. I mean, we just looked at Scripture. Jesus modeled it. He mandated his followers did it. So that can't be right. Here's what Scripture teaches, that baptism is essential for all who believe. For all who believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that through his death and resurrection, we can be saved. And baptism is essential for all who believe. Now, you you may be wondering, well, what happens? I mean, what happens when when a person believes? Well, the first thing that we see when a person believes is is that Jesus gives you a new life. He gives you a new life. That very moment when you believe and you know it to be true, Jesus gives you a new life. Now, I'm not saying he just makes you a a better you, okay? There's there's actually something a, a lot deeper happening. When you believe there's something deeper happening than you just becoming a better version of you. I want you to look at this teaching from Colossians. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to what, church? New life. You were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. When you believe, Jesus doesn't just want to make you a better version of you. I want you to think about this as if Jesus is walking along the shoreline and he comes to Peter and Andrew and he says, hey guys, follow me and I will make you better fishermen. That's not what he said, was it? (laughs) Peter and Andrew might have appreciated that. I mean, it would have been good for business. But he didn't say, I'll make you better fishermen. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. You see, Jesus doesn't just want to make you a better you. He doesn't want to just make Travis 2.0. He doesn't want to just improve upon us in the direction that we're already going. It's not as if we say, Jesus, I believe in you. Now I'm walking this direction. I want you to come along and help me out. That is not what Jesus is all about. He is not just about a changed life. Jesus is about an exchanged life. Here's what happens when someone believes and Jesus gives you new life. He says, if you're willing, if you're willing to give me your life, okay? If you're willing to give me your broken down, come on, admit it, broken down, busted up, sin-soiled, enemy of God life, if you're willing to give that to me, I will give you my life. I will give you my life, perfect, sinless, pure, 
righteous friend of God? Are you willing to make that exchange? That is what Jesus offers you. Not just a changed life, but an exchanged life. And it is available for every single person who is willing to believe it and to receive I've heard people say, maybe you've heard this too, that people wonder what it would be like if they were to attend their own funeral. You guys ever had thoughts like that? What would it be like to attend your own funeral? Well, I'm telling you that today you can do just that. I'm serious. You can throw a funeral for yourself today. You can throw a funeral for the old you because here's what happens when Jesus comes into your life and you have that exchanged life. This is what happens symbolically in baptism is that when you go down into that watery grave, when you go down into that water, you don't come back up. Okay, I probably need to rephrase that a little bit. We're, <laughs> we're not drowning anyone today. But the old you does not come back up. Only the new you, only the new you who has received new life, new birth, when the Spirit of God is now living through you, that's who comes back up, raised to new life with Jesus. Because the old you is left behind, and the new you who Christ lives through comes up. Here's what this means. Some of you are struggling with um, pornography. Some of you are struggling with pills. Some of you are you're struggling with, with pride. Some of you are struggling with shame. You're struggling with bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And, and you don't really know how to let go of it. I am telling you right now, here's what you do with it. You take those things and you take it down into the grave and you bury it. And you kill it. Through the power of Jesus Christ, he will kill those things. And when you come back up, you will be living in new life in him. Now, will you still struggle Yes, but you'll not struggle alone. You will face those struggles with your unfailing friend, the Holy Spirit. He will face those struggles for you. You will not be alone. And some of you know that truth because you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life facing those things. That is new life. You will not struggle alone because Jesus gives you a new life. Now, friends, you will also not struggle alone because Jesus gives you a new family. When you cross that line from unbelief into belief, Jesus gives you a new family. You are immediately placed into his family. Look at this teaching right here. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his what? Household. 
You're, no, no longer are you the foreigner. No longer are you the stranger. You are a member of God's family. He has placed you into the universal family. He has placed you into his kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth. When you step into belief, you are immediately placed into his kingdom. Now, within that kingdom, we see in scripture lived out these local expressions of the body of Christ. Oak Hills Church is one of those Local expressions of the body of Christ within his kingdom. And as it is the case with any body, a body is comprised of members. Look at this teaching. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is why at Oak Hills we have what we call membership. Now, it's not like membership like you go to the gym and you have membership. It's not like uh, you go to the country club and have membership. It's not like it's, it's more like my arm is a member of my body. If I wake up one morning and my arm just like, I don't feel like it, I'm in trouble. Because I need all the members of my body because they, are, they belong to one another. They are committed to each other for, the, for one purpose. And if some of the members of my body just take the day off, I, I'm in trouble. It is the same way with the local expression of the body of Christ. God places us into the universal kingdom of the church, but he also places us into a local body. Friends, I am telling you, you need to find a local body. I hope it's here at Oak Hills Church, but for whatever reason it's not, you need to find a local body that you can be in and be committed to because the members belong to each other because they are united in one purpose with Jesus Christ as the head of the body. Not a man, not a plan, but Jesus Christ himself is the head of this body and the members are committed. They belong to one another. This is the way Jesus intended his church to be. Now, this is also the reason why you've probably heard us talking within our elder initiative. We've said that it will be the members of Oak Hills Church that will recommend future elders. Now, why would we do that? Because, here's the, here's the reason membership is important. It's because membership allows the elders, allows the leaders to know who it is that they're responsible for. And it allows everyone else to know who's responsible for them who they're accountable to. And so if, if you're not sure whether you are a, a member, then you can go right out to Connection Central after this service. And you can talk, they would love to talk to you about that. Here's something I'd like to do right now. I would like for us to have an opportunity to declare belief. Some of you today it's going to be the first time that you declare this belief. I mean, you really believe it. For some of you, you're, you're in the I still believe. And, and that's great. We, we need to look each other in the eye, lift our eyes to the heavens. We need to say to each other and to God, I still believe. So here's what we're going to do. We've had an opportunity to do that already through song, through preaching God's word. But we're going to do something that's kind of a lost art. 
Uh, some, some churches still do this today, but it really got started back in the first and second century uh, when they did not have, well, here's what was happening. There were, there were false beliefs that were starting to creep into the church and, and they wanted to stick to the truth that, it, that Jesus brought. And, and they didn't have social media. Okay, they didn't even, they didn't have any media. Um, they didn't even have print media. So what would they do? They would come together and they would declare their belief in these truths as they recited these truths together. So church, I want to invite you right now to stand with me. And we are going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the scripture. I'm going to prompt us with the scripture. And then on the screen where you see it says congregation, if you believe, if you still believe then I want to ask you to join me in declaring these things together where you see it read congregation and then I'll prompt each one of these. Genesis 1-1 says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Church, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In Isaiah 7, it says that the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall come, conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Church, we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. Church, we believe Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And there is more. Romans 8. Romans 8 says, well, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, he was the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, church. We believe Jesus ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Church, we believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in one church made up of all believers and the communion of the saints. In Romans 6, it says, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Church, we believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen? Amen. We believe. We believe, Lord. We believe. Thank you, Lord. If that's you and you say, I believe, I still believe, maybe you said that for the first time, then God bless you. God will bless you.
I want to give us an opportunity right now to continue to declare our belief. And this time we're going to do it through song. Well, let's sing together. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God almighty. Sing it if you believe it. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. And the church raises its voice. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for i believe in the name of And I know there's many in this room for the first time that go, I'm crossing the line. I'm tired of the, the half-hearted. I want all in. I want sold out. I want all out for Jesus Christ. Can we just thank God for what he's done in this, in this room today? Thank you, Lord. Why do we thank him? Because this isn't something that can be revealed by man, only by the Father in heaven. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. I want you to, this is the right time. There's not another time and next time. This is the right time for salvation. Look at this passage of scripture. For God says at just the what church? Right time. I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And Jesus modeled baptism for believers. And shouldn't that be enough for us to follow him in that example? Jesus mandated it. Shouldn't that be enough for us to obey him? in it. I want to I pray for us. 
I want to pray for us, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to go, to be baptized in that watery grave, leaving the old self behind and rising to new life with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We're going to ask again for just a, a breath from heaven, just a breath from your spirit. That is all we need. We need more than the words of man. We need more than the, than the promises that this world gives us. We need to hear from your spirit. We just, we just need one drop, just one drop in this place right now, Father. That's what we ask. Father, I specifically want to ask that you would place a special hand upon our men today. That you would place your hand of courage on them. That they would be willing to, to step up and to step into faith and to be able to step out, Father. No more step out of complacency. No more half-hearted. No more, Father, we want all in. I am so aware of my shortcomings, my failures. And Father, I'm thinking that many of the men today are just very much aware of the same. We need, we need Jesus to be a, a, a husband to our wives. We need Jesus through us to be a father to our children. Help us step up. Help us step into faith. Help us step out of complacency. No more. No more. Bondage from the enemy. We want freedom in you, Father. May you make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.